Find Your Focus is a recharging space for the ambitious introverted woman. Grab a quick energy boost and reflect on how you want to show up as an introverted leader in your personal and professional life. Here's some inspiring stories of people around the world who've done things differently from society's extroverted expectations. Your host, Heather, a woman's leadership and life transitions coach, founder of a restored radiance coaching for the ambitious introvert, international communicator and marketer, world traveler, UK expat and fellow introvert. Heather aims to help ambitious introverted women find their unique leadership voice and create life transition roadmaps from career changes to moving countries or cities. Join Heather every Tuesday to find your focus, to fill your mindset with positivity and motivation to go after your dreams using your own unique energy blueprint. Your perceived weaknesses are your powerhouse. Here is your host. Hi ambitious introverts, today's guest is a fellow introvert and she's also an empath so she'll be talking about her life experience as both going through her quarter life crisis. Hannah Alsop is a quarter life coach and she helps 20 and 30 somethings who feel stuck in their quarter life crisis. Hannah helps women get unstuck from their quarter life crisis, working with them to undo their conditioning uncover their purpose, and discover themselves th so they can start living life on their terms. And without further ado, here's Hannah. So ladies, I am so excited to introduce the guest for today's episode. Hannah Alsop is a quarter-life coach, and she's this little badass in the UK, and I'm so excited for you to talk um, to listen to her today talking about her um, quarter life crisis as an empath, path, and introvert, and how you can rock through the same um, crisis and get through a into a better future. So, Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, happy to be here. And I just wanted to jump in straight away um, and dive into how did you get from where you are right now, a confident, a grounded um, woman past her quarter life crisis to, um, you know, before like all the, uh, you know, and where were you before all that mess happened? Yeah, so um, I've kind of always been an anxious person which I don't think helps my course life crisis it's kind of like the overthinking and and all of that stuff um, but yeah when I was kind of yeah in my it started in my mid 20s um, I kind of realized that I was just going through the motions because you know that's I just watched everyone else doing that um, and I was kind of on this desperate journey like ticking boxes so I was kind of yeah I just remember desperately trying to tick the career box buying a house finding the right partner and then I was thinking about having kids and I was kind of thinking you know once I have these things then I'll be happy um yeah and so my course life crisis just saw me realize that I wanted all those things for the wrong reasons um yeah, um, which then set me on a whole new path to kind of like finding my purpose and thinking about who I am deep down and what I want without kind of society's expectations. So yeah, all of that has 
has led me to now coaching other women. Um, yeah, and helping them escape their course life crisis. Mm. I think a lot of women can understand um, that quarter-life crisis, whether they're going through it right now and trying to make sense of what they're feeling um, and the anxiety that's associated with that or seeing that from the other side as well. Um, I'd wanted to dive in a little bit deeper into um, your your history as well because you mentioned that um, when you were seven uh, when you were fourteen rather um, you were experiencing challenges with um, mental health and I wanted to chat to you about um, maybe can you explain how you uh, how this how mental health shaped your internal and external world and how you interacted with both? Yes, yeah, so. Um I think it's funny really because looking back I think that a lot of what contributed to my mental health were, was kind of society and trying to fit in um, and all of those kinds of things and obviously 14 is a really hard age with like puberty and being at school and all of that stuff um, so yeah I mean when I was really in in the thick of it I suppose my external world I kind of couldn't act you know like normal and pretend to be this extrovert I kind of my body kind of shut down and I was like really struggling to leave the house and all that kind of um stuff and I suppose yeah internally I was just a a complete terrified mess um yeah just the the world and life was just was scary kind of thinking about transitioning into adulthood and yeah that and then kind of I guess the usual stuff of like the pressure of being a teenager and things like crowds and socializing and all of that stuff um it kind of made me even more introverted I'd say mm-hmm. I can definitely re- relate to that even as um a teen or you know in my um, my own experience as a teen. Um, it, it can be sometimes so overwhelming the experiences that you're facing, especially at that age when your hormones are racing and <laughs> adjusting and you don't know how to to be slightly different in a, and, and certainly around your peers where it's like you must fit into a certain box. Um, otherwise, they can't identify you or they don't understand you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it definitely it definitely felt like that and I think it was from that age that I started to really realise that I was different. So yeah, I then kind of just spent, you know, up until my course life crisis I'd say I was just in complete survival mode, just sort of just trying to get through every day and pretending I guess. Mm. Yeah. And you said that you identify as um, an empath and highly sensitive. Um for women who don't know quite what those terms mean um, um, and how to identify them, would you be able to explain a little bit more about those two terms? Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, with with being sensitive, there are, you know, varying um, levels. And I would say that being an empath is kind of, it kind of means you're at the top of, of that level. Um, and yeah, I am highly, highly sensitive. Um, so it can be from things like, you know, being really affected by um, other people's words and 
their opinions of me um, to, you know, I, I personally am really, really sensitive to environments. So if I'm in crowds or if I'm in a social situation and it's just, it's going on too long. Um, and I'm also really sensitive to food. I'm just kind of sensitive in every way. <laughs> Uh, and um, did you know um, or did you identify as an introvert or empath um, from a young age or was this something uh, somewhat of a self-discovery along the way Um, I'd say it's something that I've only really discovered over the last few years Um, I think all of the sort of trying to fit in it, it really forced me to look at who I who I was and I think up until that point I'd always I actually always thought I was an extrovert um, and I really wanted to be an extrovert like I yeah I, I guess I kind of had two two sides of me um, you know you speak to some people they'd say that like I was always getting told off for being like really loud um, and you know some people would say I was life and soul but then those people kind of don't see me then at the end of say that social situation where I'm crying and completely um, depleted of energy I then can't like do something for a week after that and I have to like pace myself and um, so yeah. So I I wanted to to know about um, during that time when you you didn't quite know that you were an introvert and you were kind of trying to identify as an extrovert, um, how long did you resist um, being an introvert and a sensitive person and how did that resistance impact your life? Um, I'd say that I resisted it for years really um, because, you know, society does see being sensitive um, as a weakness and I don't think a single sensitive person kind of living in our current world would say that they haven't had you know struggles with it um I guess yeah I kind of just wanted to be I wanted to be able to do things like go to festivals or watch horror movies and like not be so affected by things so I think like being an empath the difference maybe more so between being sensitive and being an empath that I I really feel other people's emotions so if someone is upset I, I genuinely feel that in my body and if I walk into an environment and something is off I, I feel that and I can feel you know even walking into an office environment I feel everyone's energy kind of just fit like on my Heart, it's it's really hard to know what is yours um, and what someone else is, and even um, like I had a friend who um, lost someone really close to her, and she was kind of talking to me about that, um, and I started to go really faint. So it's like, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's difficult to have those those um those boundaries you know and people that are sensitive and empathic they want they want to help people because they are such feeling people but then it's it's really hard sometimes to manage your own 
you know, emotions without getting ill and without getting so overwhelmed. So it's 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 really hard, but I do think you can learn to completely change. And I I know that it starts with, um, you know, with accepting it and realizing that it isn't a weakness. Um, and kind of just managing, learning to, you know, manage it. So I, something that really helps me is, is saying no, but that's something that I do a lot now rather than just trying to be like everyone else, go along with everyone else. Um, so yeah. Mm, that's so important. And when you were telling me that, um, you know, how what you were experiencing as an empath um, without being able to identify it and then through identifying it, being able to um, then um, cope with it with different tools. I remember back um, when I was younger and didn't identify or didn't even know that there was such a thing as an empath. And um, there'd be so many times when I'd walk in um, to the, the living room um, growing up as a teen and my mom's in the healthcare industry industry so she'd be watching like an open heart surgery and immediately like her daughter would just be like oh, like I'd have to run because she's there eating like I don't know some sort of like pasta with like red sauce and I'm like nope this is too much <laughs> yeah but that's that's the reality isn't it yeah I feel like people that yeah can't relate to that probably think that we are literally crazy um, but yeah that's, that's how it is exactly um another time I remember as well like you were saying um people I think people see a lot of people see sensitivity as a weakness and so like you were saying um when you're younger you try to put an armor over that sensitivity because it it's a lot um and it's it can be painful when you when you don't understand it and so um you know to, to protect yourself from bullies or from opportunists you tend to armor yourself and perhaps can go swing the other side of the pendulum which instead of being your kind sincere loving self you might be a bit um you know go the other side and so it can represent as um just like that that mask of and that stone wall um, to protect yourself before you really identify um, coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, and I can, yeah, I can think of times that that's that's definitely kind of been how I've dealt with it. It, it is like going into going into survival mode, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so we've talked about. Um, you know, empaths and introvertedness. Um, I want to delve into a bit more about um, the quarter life crisis. So, um, when did that happen? And can you talk to us about how that that experience felt for you? And what what was the sticky middle? And what was the realization that you wanted to change something? Um. Yeah. So I think. I think a lot of it was just, I kind of, I was one of those people like many who never knew what I wanted to do for for a um, career and I'd always hated um, my job and so I'd kind of go through phases of thinking, you know, if I can just fix that then everything will be fine. Um, But it's hard because, you know, I was brought up to think that, you know, no one really likes 
their job. So you kind of just need to get on with it. Um, and so I'd kind of go off and think, okay, yeah, like, I just need to deal with it. And so then I'd be focusing on something else and be like, well, you know, once I've met the man of my dreams, then everything will be fine. Um, and I was just never living in the present moment. Um, yeah, I remember when I met my partner, I was just straight onto like, right, you need to buy a house and then get engaged and then get married um, and then have children because having children will give me fulfillment and purpose. And I just, yeah, I just wanted all of these things for completely the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, because I was scared and I didn't know, I didn't know what else to do basically. Um, and I'd say the main thing that kind of forced me in this new direction was I actually had um, what I call a, a spiritual awakening um, so yeah I know not everyone kind of believes that there's something out, else out there and, and you know people obviously call it all kinds of different things um, but I basically woke up to the fact that the reason I was going through emotions is because that's what everyone else does and I kind of thought why you know I've, I've always been someone that questioned everything but I really got to the point where I was so desperate that I was questioning you know like why why are we all the same why are we all meant to do the same thing why are we all meant to do nine to five and why are we all meant to get married by 28 and why are we all meant to have children by the time we're 30 and so yeah, and I kind of realized that society had just been like lying to me. Um, and kind of that everything I've ever been taught, you know, was a lie. Like even like the school system and we're not kind of taught about our emotions or entrepreneurship, um, anything that doesn't, you know, fit in with the system. Um, so yeah, at first it was like, it was amazing when I had these realizations, but it was also scary. So I started thinking like, okay, no one's gonna understand me. I'm not gonna have any friends. What am I gonna do? Um, yeah, and that that all, um, that did all kind of like die down in the end, um, all, of, all of that fear. Um, so, yeah, so then that kind of set me on this mission to find my purpose, and that is what has got me out of my waterlife crisis. And I'm just, I'm a completely different person now. Like, I used to hold a baby, and I would start crying because I felt so maternal, and I was like, I want this. And I remember, like, desperately and pathetically crying to my boyfriend once, like, you don't understand all my friends have got babies and it's the only thing that's gonna make me happy and now you know I hold a baby and I, I don't cry and I, I can't think of anything I want left at this moment right now um yeah it's now about me and my mission which is to help other women kind of discover what I have I guess but without like that the really harsh wake up call um so yeah Oh, I can so relate to that. Um, the, the kind of mindless following of what you think society's expectations are and thinking that with each achievement, it'll get you to your happiness rather than 
um, that realization um, that you get on the other side where you're like, actually, my actions, my achievements don't bring me that happiness. It's, it's that feeling and that contentment of knowing who I am, my core values and my purpose that brings me contentment and peace and joy. And it's when you kind of flip um, society's expectations on a head that you start to realize that this whole um, societal expectation is a farce and that all the people that you perhaps even thought were, you know, had it all or content, actually, if you sat down with them, they might be going through similar struggles as you, but on the outside, it's painted perfection. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is true. I mean, I would say that half of the clients that I've helped have been mums, actually. Um, yeah, who are kind of, I guess, you know, they, they get all of those those tick box things that I so desperately wanted. And then they realise that, you know, as much as I children obviously are incredibly fulfilling, um, they kind of realise that actually they, they want something for themselves um, and that there's still an empty, there's still an emptiness inside of them um, and that they, they deserve, they deserve more. Um, I think we all deserve, you know, everything and anything and I think that we can get that. It's, it's just society that makes us feel like we can't and particularly for, for women as well. So, um, Hundred percent. I I also want to um, identify or have you explain kind of the the feelings that that you experienced in your quarter life crisis and and the feelings that you had in that sticky middle of kind of going through that crisis and not knowing the solution and then that feeling you got when you started to pick apart you know to to kind of drive toward that solution because I think when we're going through any sort of crisis or a stress point it's really hard to see um, it from an objective standpoint and often the best barometer for identifying whether you're in a crisis point um, and how to relate to another person's story in that crisis point is the feelings that are feeling very all-consuming. So would you be able to talk through that, that feeling kind of arc from when you went through the crisis to in that sticky middle of uncertainty of help, help, uh, and then um, how you found that solution and how that felt. Yeah, so um, I would say, honestly, the main thing I felt was stuck. I just felt completely stuck. Um, and yeah, it was, it was horrendous. Um, I just, I felt like I'd left it too late to you know in terms of looking say looking at my job I, I felt like I'd left it too late to kind of retraining it retraining anything else um because I felt like you know then I'm saying goodbye to my salary and then if I if I'm on a lower salary then that doesn't fit in with my plan to like you know buy a house and all of that kind of um stuff and um yeah, so I, I felt I felt very I did feel very very stuck um, and just completely lost and confused and I think 
you know, those of us that have a quarter-life crisis, it is because we're looking around at everyone else who is happy going through the motions or seemingly happy going through the motions. Um, you know, I would kind of, I'd look at um, women who were like these career women who mm-hmm. were kind of like doing really, really well. They maybe like moved to a city and they were going out every weekend and kind of they had loads of money and they were going and traveling and you know living their best life um and then I'd also look at women who had kind of settled down young um you know they bought the house got married had the children so they kind of didn't necessarily need to worry about their career because they were working part-time and I kind of saw these two different areas and I thought I don't fit into either of these. I'm not a career woman because starters, I don't, you know, really know what I want to do in my career and I hadn't, you know, like worked my way up to this really um, top corporate role. And also, you know, being an anxious empath, kind of living in a city and doing that whole thing, like house shares and going out partying all the time, it's so did not suit my personality um so yeah it sort of go between being stuck between my career and then and then thinking well as, as long as I find a boyfriend then then everything will be fine and then I don't have to worry about my career because then I have children I'll work part-time and it was all just so it was all just so um so desperate and um yeah how else I felt I kind of I also felt um lazy I think think I thought that because I didn't know what I wanted to do for a job and I'd focused on this whole children thing um I thought I wasn't ambitious and that I was just lazy um which is really interesting because now I'd say that I'm I'm really ambitious now that I've you know found um found the right thing um and I suppose yeah, just just that comparison and, and how I dealt with all of that was to distract my, myself. Um, so I mean, I don't really I don't really drink now um, or go out. It's something I feel like as I as I've really accepted my high sensitivity, I actually now can cope with even less. It's 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 funny, um, but you know, at one time I was going out. Um, and getting drunk and I would just binge eat so I had to get home from work and the only thing that got me through that day was thinking well I can sit in front of the sofa and eat loads of food but then of course you just do it all again um, or it would be like I'll get home from work and I'll just I'll go on Tinder and you know it's just all of these distractions um, distract me from the emptiness and, and the confusion that I felt um, so yeah, when I when I kind of had this awakening to the fact that I was actually a lot more powerful than what society had ever ever taught me or anyone else, um, I just felt I felt relief because I think deep down when you're going through a quarter life crisis, you are someone who just knows there's more to life or you 
you really, really hope that there is. Because I know some people would think, what is Porsche life crisis? Like, I'm totally fine doing my thing and going through the motions. Um, but yeah, I just, it was just that confirmation that, yeah, there is more to life actually. Um, and I'm going to go and find it. So, like I said, there was a bit of fear there as well because, of course, the thought of this whole new me and this whole new life, like, it didn't feel safe but it felt right and as soon as I pushed through that um yeah now I'm now I'm really happy which is something that I I was not happy for my teens or my adult life really up until about two years ago so yeah Mm, I think that's so relatable, especially um, as ambitious introverts, um, feeling stuck or feeling lazy because you haven't achieved what you thought you were going to at that age, or you, you don't have the clear direction because you've just completed every single step on your your vision board or your, your goal list, and now you're in the stage where you're trying to um, chart a new goal or a new journey and you have no clue what that looks like because um, schooling and society doesn't train you for that next step and that that feeling of stuckness and then that distraction technique I can so relate to that um, and, and then it happens or it, it takes a time and it's different for everyone it takes a length of time where you are comfortable being just you know, comfortable and, and doing those distraction techniques. And then it gets to a point where you're so bored or so restless or so frustrated that that's when you decide to make that change because the fear of something new is less than the the frustration and anger of just the same old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even if it is just a really slim difference, Absolutely. So for for women who are really identifying with um, being in a quarter life, life crisis right now, are there any um, tips that you'd suggest um, they do, even if they're just small, simple ones at this stage, to kind of um, cope with the intense feelings and, and help them direct themselves into their next stage? Yeah, um, I'd say the first thing is to really, like, acknowledge yourself that you that you've even realized that you're going through a quarter life crisis it's because you know so many women and people men as well obviously um just they just go through emotions and realizing that you don't want to do that anymore is so brave um so yeah i think acknowledging and like giving yourself um a pat on the back for that that you kind of don't want to you know just distract yourself forever whether it be with food or with getting pregnant um so yeah I'd say that would be my first thing and then secondly literally I feel like the thing that has just saved me and kept me going is surrounding myself with like-minded people um and I do the majority of that online and online is where I first yeah I guess found people that were really that were really like me that got where I was coming from and that wanted 
they you know they were unhappy and they desperately wanted something else and you know there are other people out there um like you so you know things like podcasts um and instagram is amazing um i know that you know social media kind of has its own issues but for me it's it's really helped me so i would say you know follow all of the accounts that really inspire you because to be able you know what when you first realize you're going through a full type crisis if there is a lot of that back and forth of slipping back into the distraction and wanting to do all of your friends are doing um but if you, you can keep on you know listening to that podcast and, and you know re- reach out to other people that, that are like you um then it kind of keeps you high vibe and it keeps that that um you know that end that end goal and that destination in in mind and i think that we're so much more likely to you know be able to escape our time crisis or achieve what deep down we really really want to um by yeah surrounding yourself with with like-minded people um and i would say as well like when it comes to finding your purpose which is what really helped me to get out of it um you know, when, I, when I'm kind of talking about purpose, I guess I'm talking about passion and following what makes you really, really passionate. Um, and I used to think, oh, I'm passionate about this, but like the end goal of, say, making that into a business or whatever it is, felt so far away that I, I would never start it. And what I've really learned is simply follow retrograde. So if you just follow what makes you excited in that moment, the next thing will fall into place. Like, opportunities come at you, the right people come at you, um, and you just get realisations on the way, so, yeah, kind of just dropping the expectations and just just follow, just follow what feels good um, to you, basically, and just fuck society. <laughs> I love it, but you're you're so right, and I think um, it's really important when when people say like they flippantly throw out the word "find your purpose," and you know it's so high, it's so big and broad that if you're in that that uncertain stuck moment, it's it's almost like a laugh. Um, and you kind of ironically like roll your eyes and you're like, yeah, all right, hippie, <laughs> like you do you. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's what you were saying there that um, experiment, um, find, figure out what one thing at least that you're doing right now that you really like to do and experiment doing that more regularly and trying to meet people through doing that activity. Um, starting off really small and being not being afraid to have a complete failure with that because it's like the the fun experimental phase of you're just like this mad scientist in her her laboratory and you're like oh what what happens if i throw this together and sometimes it's gonna blow up in your face other times it's gonna be completely interesting and take you down a really interesting rabbit hole (laughs) yeah exactly and i think that yeah, when when you like I said, after you acknowledge that you know you're going through something a bit shitty, you you do have to you do have to embrace the fails and you know because after all, you you are going against what 
know, society tells us to do. It's, it's going to be hard. You're going to have people judge you, like your friends and family. Um, even for just saying, I'm going through a post-life crisis, you know, and because <laughs> some people will be like, oh, stop being so dramatic. And <laughs> it's like, no, like, this is, this is, this is real. And, you know, and we're sensitive and sensitive people and introverts. You know, that's, that's real as well. There's no such thing as too sensitive. Like, we literally are wired completely differently. Um, mm. So, yeah. 100%. I think you were saying as well, when you were going through the quarter-life crisis, that you were dealing a lot with comparisonitis. And um, I'd be interested to, and I know you touched on that with how you were coping with that once you were identifying your focus and moving on and moving forward with your goals, how uh, are there any other tips that you'd recommend for women who are struggling with comparisonitis right now and are worried that if they make a change and try to find their focus, that like you were saying, all of their loved ones and all the people that are that they spend most of their time with are going to be judging them, making fun of them, and putting them down. Yeah, so I think, I mean, first of all, I think it's about getting really clear on who, on who you are as a person. And I think once you, once you, you've accepted that, and once you're fine with that, it's then so much easier to talk to friends and family about it because you almost get to the point where you don't even care if they want to like disown you. Like literally, I know that sounds crazy, but that is, that is what it is like I genuinely if, if I had if I if all of my friends wanted to disown me tomorrow I genuinely wouldn't care like, <laughs> that sounds really harsh but it's, it's because I now know who I am and what I'm worth and that yeah and that kind of living true to myself and my purpose my my why is without that there, there is nothing um, and yeah like honestly that is not something that would ever come out of my mouth two years ago I was trying to fit in trying to I was desperate for everyone to like me um, yeah so I would say that is the first thing to kind of accept yourself and something that actually really helped me and in particular but it actually massively helped me to to accept that I'm sensitive um, and that I'm an empath and things like that um, was um, really getting into astrology so I saw um, an astrologer astrologist I'm not sure <laughs> um, and um, yes yeah, so um, she really helped me to see and you know you can do this online as well you don't have to pay anyone but because um, I know a lot of, a lot of what people know about us, um, your star sign your sun sign um, but I found it really helpful um, finding out my ascendant and my moon sign so your moon sign your emotions um, and just being able to see that at the exact moment in time and place that I was born that it's literally written in the stars I am meant to be sensitive and I'm meant to have these challenges and I'm meant to be this certain type of person and do this certain type of thing um, that massively um, helped help me to accept myself. I, I stopped, you know, I stopped fighting against 
everything about myself that I found hard and, and difficult, um, and about my life that I found difficult, and being sensitive, it, it is it is hard. Um, because yeah, because it's literally written in the stars. I was literally born to be this way. So I would really recommend, you know, looking up um, all of all of your stars um, and you know doing all of the personality tests and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then in terms of actually tips for kind of speaking to people about it, um, you know, I would say be honest, tell them about the journey that you're on, you know, even read out like what all of your charts say, um, and yeah, just, just ask for support, and I think it's harder with family, but with friends, if they're still going to judge you, then they, they are not friends you like seriously ditch them <laughs> it's not worth it like yeah preach woman <laughs> I'm trying not to be too preachy but yeah <laughs> no 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 that's it's so good I think when we're in that that uncertainty fear can be such a hold on us and just like you said just keep us in that murky swampy um, uncertainty and we fear everything that we know and that we rely on is gonna like everything's gonna fall away from us when really when we up level to the next you know that next journey for us or that self-discovery we're actually coming into contact with even more amazing people that and experiences that we never thought we'd have um, because we jumped past that fear um, and I think yeah, you reiterating that that it's it's fine on the other side of that fear. You you will it'll be even richer and more exciting than you expected, and just more truly who you are um, at your very essence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You you will find your people, and like for me, it's it's been online, which I know some people are really resistant to, and it sounds a bit sad and a bit weird, but once you do it, it's it's totally fine and actually a lot of people online are, are doing you know the, the same thing that they're they're kind of making these connections because they're not finding them um in kind of normal real day-to-day life so yeah mm-hmm. 100% I think that's the quickest easiest way for somebody to um when they're starting to make that change trying to identify the people that you want to be like um, and surrounding yourself with them um, on online is is really easy. Um, whether that be podcasts or Facebook groups or Instagram or, or whatever, and from there you can even meet. You can you can actually identify opportunities to meet in person. But it's an easy start when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling stressed, and having that repetitive. Um, daily practice with those people or weekly practice where you touch base with them it's a great way for you to model your behavior based on people who are maybe a couple levels up who are you know doing something that you never thought was possible yeah yeah definitely yeah I mean I agree and I think yes it's important what you said people that are a couple of steps ahead of you um it's really good to you know see that you can change and I love listening to people's people's stories of, of how they got from you know one place to another um but yeah I, I, I love that 
hundred percent. I'm the same. I um, even as a kid, I'd be the the little nerdy girl in the corner who would be um, at recess or in study hall and actually reading like this thick biography book because I'm just really fascinated with um, how people um, grow. Um, and become more resilient in the face of struggle because we're all so similar, yet we always think we're so different. Um, and if we don't share these stories of having that dark night of the soul um, and that w- those moments where you almost gave up but then didn't and you're now this person where people are probably saying, oh my God, how, how are they so successful? How are they this? How are they so light? And you don't dive into that that story you kind of see yourself as other compared to them and you set them at a higher bar when we're really just the same and just trying to to figure out ourselves and have that beautiful self-discovery yeah yeah we're all just we're all just trying to muddle through life aren't we um yeah it's funny because i think a lot of people expect to be the same as them um and that's something I, that I, I always found really hard. It's like, why have you said that? I would never say that. Like, that's so <laughs> horrible or whatever. Um, or, you know, someone might think, oh, like, why is she so pathetic? Like, why can't she just do all of the stuff that I'm doing? <laughs> I feel like I literally physically can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, um, we are, we are all, we're all human beings. And actually, you know, if we were all really honest and kind of all have the courage to really tap deep into those traumas and those woundings that we all have um i think we would would realize that we're a lot um more similar but yeah it's just unfortunately not the way society works right now um i'm sure i'm sure we'll <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm really interested as well because I know you were saying, and we were talking about how being highly sensitive and an empath, um, we'd, we'd put a mask or an armor over that in the past. Um, where you are now, um, being this kick-ass, very strong, self-assured woman, um, how have you used your perceived weaknesses and brought them into strengths? Um, so I think, you know, coaching is, is obviously, um, is a big one because I, I guess I felt, I always felt like I was a bit weird for like wanting to have deep conversations with people, um, and things like that. And obviously, you know, being so sensitive and really feeling people's emotions when they're going through a hard time. I always found that really hard. Um, whereas now I have, like, I have a reason to to really do that. Um, you know, it just it just comes it just comes naturally to me. So um, yeah, I definitely you know obviously now um, embrace that and embrace the ability to really you know understand people and read situations. Like I I didn't I I guess know a couple of years ago no one really talked about being like emotionally intelligent um and now it's something that you know I'm hearing more and more about and I kind of a year ago had this realization I was like I'm really emotionally intelligent (laughs) and that made me feel so good because you know it's not the fact that we're not you know we're not taught about that at 
school, um, I kind of just thought like, yeah, I, it's, it's something that I didn't value. I just thought I was weird. Um, so now, yeah, it is really nice to be able to um, embrace that and actually see it as, you know, as a skill. Because again, I, I just thought that everyone else kind of thought the same way as me, you know, a few years ago. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's so relatable as well, because um, like you were saying, I, I, I know myself, um, I hadn't really heard much about emotional intelligence um, at all. And then it's been very recent in the last maybe like three to four years that it's been a topic of conversation um, in the workplace, but also in your personal life. And it's funny how that wasn't something that was either identified or put value on. Um, but now as society is kind of hopefully growing and maybe expanding and learning, you're real, they're realizing that to have and create connections, whether that be um, partnerships um, in your professional life or in a corporate um, partnership, you need that connection. You need that emotional intelligence to create those relationships. and I think it is something that will continue to yeah be seen as something that is a desirable um, trait I was actually watching um, this was a few months ago I think I was watching Love Island Australia <laughs> and um, one of them um, said something about this this woman and they were like oh yeah I really like her because she's emotionally intelligent and I thought yeah like we need to hear about this on these kind of programs. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> oh my god, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm afraid to get into Love Island because I know it's a slippery slope. <laughs> oh god, I could literally talk about. I could do a whole podcast on Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> I might message you and let you know when I when I uh, I start because it'll be I'll have to be like in a binge mode because it, it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should definitely do it. <laughs> so, um, as an empath, um, now I'm really curious about how you manage your energy levels um, throughout the week. Do you have any like weekly or daily rituals that you do, or maybe when you have a really intense week um, emotionally, um, what you do to look after yourself? Yeah. Um Honestly, my main thing is is saying no. Um, I know I've met, I know I've mentioned that already, but it really does help me. So, you know, I I really pace myself. Um, so, if I have a busy weekend, I'll make sure the weekend after um, isn't so busy. Um, and yeah, it's things, things like even even going on holiday. Like I know some people think, oh, that's the most relaxing time ever. Like, <laughs> but I make sure that I, you know, the weekend before and the weekend after, I'm I'm free. Um, so yeah, and so I, I don't. To be honest, I don't have daily set things at the moment. That is something that I'm still really kind of trying to to work on. Um, Something I've got into recently, actually, is, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Zero Fucks Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I haven't, but tell me more. <laughs> okay. So, um, it's just this um, this hashtag on Instagram, basically, on a Tuesday, 
Um, I think it started in Australia, um, woman called Cat John. Um, and yeah, so on a Tuesday, um, she will film herself on Instagram stories having a dance to whatever song um, she wants. And I've started getting into it, and actually, that has really helped me. So although doing it, I'm really kind of getting, having to get into my extrovertness, um, which I realised that I, I am an extrovert in very short bursts. Afterwards, I will need, you know, I need to be alone. I will need quiet. I will need to like not be on my phone, um, even after doing like you know two minute Instagram video. Um, but that has really helped me to get back into my body. So I suppose at the moment I'm kind of seeing that as like my meditation. So. You know, I'd love to say, oh, I have a daily 20-minute meditation practice. Um, that's a work in progress. But I do think that dance, it, you know, it brings me out of my head, which, of course, a lot of highly sensitive and empaths and introverts, they're kind of overthinking all the time when you've had a long day at work. I, it brings me back into my body. So, um, yeah, I find, I, yeah, I find that helpful. Um like I said, saying saying no has been a massive thing for me. And actually, um, I guess this isn't a daily thing, so I'm, I'm going slightly off topic, but um, something that does really help me is, so say there's something I can't say no to, like if we are um, visiting my partner's family, um, they live quite far away from us, so we kind of, when we see them, it's a whole weekend away. Um, I make sure now that I just take myself up to the bedroom, even if it's just for 10 minutes, because I cannot do, you know, a solid few hours or day of socializing. Um, and things like if I have to go to a wedding, like, you know, I'll make sure that I drive myself there so that I can go and sit in the car. Um, and yeah, just, just, just things like that. And I think that's something that I always really, really resisted because I think, well, no, I should I should be able to cope with, you know, talking to people for hours on end and dancing for hours on end and drinking for hours on end. Um, and now, like, you know, I just make sure I, I have my get out. So if I need to leave a party early, um, you know, I, I always take my own food to events. <laughs> always. Like, I think when you are highly sensitive and anxious, you use up so much more energy um, and like I said, I'm also sensitive to food, so often, like, there isn't any food I can eat. Um, so, yeah, I guess just just kind of planning ahead and just always having a get-out where you can have a breather if you're in a situation where you feel you can't say no. Absolutely. I think those are really good, important um, points that you've raised. And, and I love those um, tips for um, just planning your your introverted rest in between um, a really highly um, excited extroverted event or activity, um, or maybe highly charged <laughs> activity. Um, and I'm also curious as well, um, what is your current focus, Hannah? It could be in terms of your um, coaching or personal life, whatever you feel like you you want to share or whatever is a priority for you at the moment. 
so in terms of um, coaching, I'm, at the moment I'm trying to come up with um, a slightly shorter offer. So at the moment I only offer um, a three-month coaching series. So I'm kind of yeah looking at um, looking at other things um, that I can do, um, and you know obviously being on more podcasts because um, yeah I love love meeting new people and you know like-minded people um and yeah personally just more more dancing more zero bucks tuesday <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> and hannah where can um our kick-ass listeners uh find you um on the internet <laughs> um so my website is hannahallsop.com um which is A-double-L-S-O-P. <laughs> I'm constantly having to spell that out to people. Um, and then my Insta and Facebook handles um, are at .coach. Um So yeah, I spend most of my time um, on Instagram. So yeah, I love receiving DMs. So please drop me a message. <laughs> Fantastic. And ladies, um, all of her links will be in the show notes to this episode. So it'll be a, a quick and easy um, connection for you to make. So reach out to Hannah. She's fantastic and really um, kind and genuine soul out there. Um, and Hannah, you actually have a really beautiful gift um, for our listeners um, today. Would you be able to share um, the gift that you're offering with your coaching? Yeah. So um, my three-month coaching series um, to help get unstuck in their quarter life crisis. Um, I'm offering a discount to your listeners of £50. Um, so yeah, my current coaching offer is 349 so you can get it for 299 Fantastic. So ladies, um, go to Hannah's uh, website. The link will be in the show notes and quote the our podcast, Find Your Focus, and you'll get that £50 off. Um, your uh, three month uh, three month coaching series with Hannah. So Hannah, thank you so much for dropping by the podcast today, and I can't wait to follow your journey. Have a good one. Thank you. I've loved it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully, I gave you the boost you needed to start your week. If it did, it would be appreciated if you spent two minutes right now to give this podcast a review on iTunes and then share the episode with an introverted friend who needs to hear this message. Your review will make sure other ambitious introverts who are struggling to find their voice and focus find this show and can receive the love and support we hope you felt today. Thank you. And remember, your perceived introverted weaknesses are your powerhouse.